This is the Edge of Innovation, Hacking the Future of Business. I'm your host, Paul Parisi. And I'm Jacob Young. On the Edge of Innovation, we talk about the intersection between technology and business, what's going on in technology, and what's possible for business. Hello, and welcome to the Edge of Innovation. I'm Paul Parisi, your host, and today I have Ed Alexander, founder of Fan Foundry. Hey, how are you doing? Nice to be here. Great to have you. Um, so tell me, what, 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 what is Fan Foundry? I mean, is it a sports team thing? Is it? I get that a lot. In right. fact, one of my, actually several of my clients now are in the architecture, engineering, construction space, and I've been known to walk the halls at the, uh, the architecture shows in Boston, and when someone sees the word Foundry, they pull me aside and say, oh, good, I got these fans that need to be reworked. Okay. There's nothing mechanical about our business uh, except that the work involved. But no, Fan Foundry was just the product of me spending five minutes with thesaurus.com okay. and trying to find some alliterative or other kind of hooky or catchy way of describing that? how customers happen. That was in December of 2008, so okay. we just passed our seventh anniversary. Wow. Excuse me, ninth anniversary. Yeah, ninth I can't anniversary. do the math anymore. Yeah. Calculators are wonderful. That's a long time in the, uh, in the Internet space. Indeed it is. I parachuted out of a company sale and gave myself a year's runway, and I was making money in six months, and so decided to ride that pony. Cool. So Fan Foundry, what is the, what is the concept? I mean, I know the words, and you yeah. came out of a thesaurus, but what, is it, what does it mean? Well, the, What's behind it? Sure. I understand. The tagline is how customers happen. There's a, that's a big tent. There's lots yeah. of room for discussion in there. Your salespeople, your marketing people, your service people, and all the technology and the processes that they employ using those technologies. That whole stack is where we get involved. Okay. So the goal is, what it, if you were to summarize it in one sentence, what would you say the goal is? Certainly. We help our clients treat their customers well treat their customers well. So it's not acquire new customers? Oh, sure. Okay. Well, when you think about it, to, uh, as uh, Will Rogers was famous for saying, uh, a friend, a stranger is just a friend I haven't met. Yeah. Likewise, a customer is could also be a prospect you just haven't acquired. Right. Okay. So I use the word customer in pretty broad terms. Okay. So, you know, we've been talking about uh, a couple of different times on the podcast, the, the whole um, infrastructure but sort of the the world of web marketing and how it works and how it doesn't work and there's you know everybody is familiar with the term seo and you got to do seo Mm -hmm. um but seo just gets your message if you had the best seo in the world um and you, you saw you know you sold um microwave ovens and you had the best seo in the world people would be visiting your site about microwave ovens it doesn't mean that somebody's going to convert what do you think about that? Is, I mean, is there a decoupling? I mean, I know they're together, but there's such a focus on SEO right now. It seems like everybody in the world needs good SEO. And my question is, is if you have the best SEO, what are you going to do when the person gets there? That's a great question. And when you use the phrase SEO, search engine optimization, it means many things to many people. Most, some, most people are at least associated to some extent with working with your Google analytics mm-hmm. and your Google marketing console to deter and doing keyword research to figure out what's the best way to um, to acquire customers, the best way to attract people's attention with the content on your website. Sure. We also know that, especially in recent years, 
you found that uh, the Google algorithm <laughs> changes every change, day, it seems like. Changes, and it, you know, certainly I call it the Gainful Employment Act for any SEO consultant. Right. That aside, however, <clears throat> what we're also learning is that Google themselves are placing, uh, I wouldn't say diminished, but uh, more or less equal emphasis on the, mecha- the str- that infrastructure piece, yes. the SEO piece, right. as well as the extent to which people who visit your content actually show respect for it. Meaning, do they come back to it again? Okay. Do they spend more time on it? Mm-hmm. Uh, although it's deceptive, uh, you, may, you, uh, you being an SEO expert know too that when a person visits a page on your website but they don't spend there long, as long as they don't bounce, meaning leave the site mm-hmm. and they move on to another page, it's okay they spent a few nanoseconds on the one page where they landed right. because they're satisfied enough to delve deeper into your website. Right. That's good SEO. What also makes that happen, however, is that the content, the text, the stories and the lessons and the information that you have to convey are meaningful and useful enough to the person who's visiting that they really decide it's worth investing more of their time in your web content. So with the words on the page and the value of the content you're sharing are really, really uh, should have have always been important and prominent, but they haven't always been given that much attention. So... um the difficulty, I think, in some of this is is that how you're a small business. Okay, so let's let's talk about small businesses. Big businesses have a lot more latitude, a lot more money to spend, potentially. But let's say a small, medium-sized business. They have a website. They have Google Analytics. Somebody comes to the site. How would you measure that, whether that's successful or not, the page that they've come to? Is it how much time they've, they've stayed on it, or is it that they go to the next step? To me, it's did the person go to the next step? Did they visit more content? Did they convert by clicking on a form fill link? Something along those lines. It's also true that if your content can be consumed in under 10 seconds, it's okay if the person spent under 10 seconds on the page. Right. I'm really okay with that. Most people think of the bounce as being, okay, I'm satisfied, but, uh, excuse me, I'm sorry, not the vibe. The... um, travel further into the site as being that the landing page wasn't satisfactory in some way. Frankly, it was quite effective because it enticed the person to visit more. They've probably gone to the navigation menu to learn more about who you are, what you're made of, who your customers are, how to get in touch with you, and so forth. What's to me is important is to look at the path that the visitor follows. If your content is intended to get a person to go to a specific next page and people do that more often than not, the page is successful. Right. If your content, on the other hand, is intended to get them to go to a certain next page, like in the sure. I just said, but they go to a scattering of other pages, then maybe you have to think about the messaging and the value proposition that's on your page. So what you're saying is that the content did not produce the results you wanted. Right. And that's okay. In these days, you know, marketing, everything moves so quickly. Mm-hmm. I think of that as an example of an experiment. Sure. marketing experiment. If I try to get something to happen and something else happens instead, right. maybe there's something about the way I said what I said that interpreted differently sure. in the mind of the visitor. That's okay. Now I've learned. So I think of a company, a business, even a small business that's able to punch up of its weight mm-hmm. using data-driven marketing. They can learn from those mistakes. I don't call them mistakes. I call them lessons. It's okay. experience. You well, what, what is data-driven marketing? You just threw that out there, and I want I to understand because I'm yeah. sure there's different 
with different people listening, they're going to interpret it different ways. So Absolutely. What, Just like SEO, it. right? Yes. It means many things to many people. Yeah, to some folks, data-driven marketing means simply that we look at the reports and we produce pie charts and it validates the decisions that are made by our executive team. That's not data-driven marketing. To me, data-driven marketing means you're looking at all the data that comes in and you're, you're learning that there are other opportunities to experiment with the way you present yourselves online. And you can tweak your business and improve your results over time based on those experiments and those learnings and those lessons. So it's interactive and iterating? Oh, very much so. It's a very basic level, I think, of uh, data-driven marketing as, okay, you've got the infrastructure, which means mm -hmm. you have some way of measuring. Uh, then you have the skills, right, the people who actually know how to do the interpreting. Right. But then you also have to have the attitudes and the interest in delving beyond the first lesson. And then that becomes a cultural thing. To me, data-driven marketing is as much a cultural thing as it is a technical or mechanical or infrastructure thing. If you have a culture that fosters or uh, encourages, permits you to experiment, to try a different color okay. conversion button, right. to, to try a different phrasing or use of adverbs in the messaging right. and try them, A-B testing, A-B sure. testing. It's time consuming, but you learn a lot and it's worth it in the end. The, some of the best built websites, oh, Amazon and Airbnb come to mm -hmm. mind, are very effective at converting people because of the coloring and the size and the shape of every right. element on their page. So. Um, well, they're, they're two very different websites that you've signed. Indeed they are, yeah. Airbnb is a single-purpose website. You go there because you want to get a place to stay, stay overnight. Um, Amazon, contrary to everything else in the world, sells everything. And they do an effective job at communicating that. So now let's... Let's not focus on the big guys. Let's focus on some small companies that you can... I don't care about names, but I'm saying let's... So let's take this analogy of the microwave company. I'm going to come out and make microwaves. Seems like a stupid thing to do, but um, because there's so many being made. But how could I? Do you think we could effectively create a website that would, and this is the difficulty, I think, produce the results they want? We don't know what the results are that they want. We can, we can imagine them. I want to sell microwaves. The problem is, is that most people don't shop for microwaves. That you know, they may or may not. So maybe that's a bad analogy. You know, maybe we're a local law firm and we want to get people that are interested in having a good lawyer. Uh, maybe a retirement lawyer. That's a popular topic right now. And so, the top ten pages of Google are saturated with, you know, if you said uh, retirement lawyer. Um, uh, how would you crack that nut? How would you get it? Now, if, if I add, okay, we're in Beverly, Massachusetts. If I say retirement lawyer in Beverly, Massachusetts, that would, but I know I'm changing the behavior of the potential customer, which is the hardest thing to do. I don't know how to do that. So how would we, we do the best and most effective SEO we can, and it's still going to be on page two of Google. Is that a hopeless situation or how do you affect that? That's a great question. If you're a retirement lawyer in Beverly, Massachusetts, think about the size of the world you intend to influence. Okay. The volume of business that you would probably need to entertain to be successful. Sure. You're probably not a 50 or a 100 person staff. You're something right. less. As you said, the proposition you made is it's a small business. Yep. So you've got, to, if you'll pardon the expression, bandwidth, the amount of time and energy you can do to devote to clientele before you either hire people or default on a client, right. in which you don't want to do. It's been a fascinating discussion about SEO and understanding really marketing in the web world. 
and uh, we're going to be talking with him over several podcasts, and I think you'll find some very interesting things. So, Ed, I want to thank you for being here for this first podcast. It's been fun, Paul. I'm looking forward to what comes next. Thanks for having me. The Edge of Innovation is brought to you in partnership with Savior Labs. Savior Labs exists to help businesses mature and strategize for the future. Learn more about Savior Labs at SaviorLabs.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Edge of Innovation, Hacking the Future of Business. For the show notes and more information about Paul, please visit paulparisi.com. The Edge of Innovation is produced by Jacob Young in conjunction with copious amounts of coffee. Music on today's episode was from bensound.com. Paul can be found on Twitter at pdparisi and on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash pdparisi. This episode, like all our episodes, is transcribed and available at paulparisi.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.